Are you all ready for a new year? Yeah, sometimes you want to go through the other one and go, let's just do, let's just get, forget that one. Let's start all over again. Turn me up a little tiny bit, Paul. Um, the sermon today is called Comforter, Not Comfortable. A lot of times as a Christian, we think the Holy Ghost is going to lead you where it's comfortable, and he will not, he's not. But he is your comforter. I'm going to pray right now, and I'm going to pray over this year that we're about to head into. Then we're going to get into the Word of God. Amen. Father God, as I open up the Bible and open up the Word on what you've given me to say today, Father God, I'm, I'm asking you to prepare our hearts for what's ahead of us, which is victory. This will be a good year for the church. This will be a good year for the kingdom because you're on the right hand of God and you're still on the throne and you're still Lord. And Father God, prepare us as, as a church, prepare us as Christians and all around the United States of America for what we're about to step into. And Father God, give us great wisdom and give us uh, the anointing of God to deal with this. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, I'm not preaching on the election, but I want to bring it up. A lot, of time, a lot of people right now are watching January the 6th. I have something I want to say to you. Donald Trump is not a savior. He's not God. And I know you, I don't want you to rebuke me for, for what I'm about to say. Whether he wins or loses, we will win. Do you all understand that? I'm not, I'm not prophesying he's going to lose. I'm not prophesying he's going to win. I'm telling you, Jesus says, my... The gates, the gates of hell will not stand against my church. There will be a fight if he wins, like you've never seen. There will be a fight if he loses, like you've never seen. One good thing has come out of this election, and I thank God for it. The church has finally woke up to just how corrupt this nation has become. I was unaware until the last few days, just how bad the Democrats and the Republicans are. So I, 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 I messaged Marco Rubio last night. I called him. I got his phone number if you want it. And I left him a message and I said, I want you to get... See, I'm not, I'm not pro-Republican. I'm pro-righteousness. Do you all understand that? That just happens to be the platform that lets me operate. I can't get in the other one. It's totally corrupt. This is only half corrupt. So I text, I, I messaged Marco Rubio, and I said, Marco, get behind our president because Walmart's hiring. And I'm going to tell you all this. I'm not going to stand by any longer and let corrupt men, they don't, they don't work for big business. They work for us. We're not going to let this nation just go to hell in a handbasket. I don't know about you, but I, I'm not going to. I'm going to start being very proactive in what I do. And I think that the church is finally waking up. And I think it's finally stepping back and going, we're not, we're not for, for you know, if, if someone's gay and you say I was born that way, you get born again. You won't be born again the second time that way. It's time, I, I believe this with all of my heart, we're going to overturn Roe versus Wade. Amen. You understand? I, I think the church has finally got, it's like, it's like somebody slapped a, a sleeping giant. Seventy million people want freedom. You, you, you better not ignore it. And I, so I told Marco, I said, you, do not ignore 70 million people. And I, and I told him, I said, you work for us if you want to continue to work. Thank y'all. No, he's the Republican. I don't know where he stands on the issues, but he better start standing for what's righteousness. Amen. Because I'm watching him. I'm taking names. Amen. So my sermon today is called The Comforter, Not Comfortable. And the Holy Ghost really began to deal with me strong on this. So I know that what I'm going to preach today is for us today. It's a very, very good sermon. You'll leave today and say hallelujah and amen. You will say amen and oh me all in one day. Romans chapter 8 verse 14. As many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. 
There's only two races in the earth. Adam's and Jesus's. Adam's race is a failure. Not Adam, but Adam's. Not this Adam. He don't have any kids yet, but wait till he does. We'll get them all born again and there'll be the second Adam. He's, he's the third Adam. He's... There's two races in the earth. There's, there's Adam's race, which is a failure, and there's Jesus' race. There's two races, and the church, the church in the earth today, we're the salt and we're the light that's in the world. He said, a city set on a hill can't be hidden. You're the salt of the earth. That means he wants us to be salty. He wants us to make a difference wherever we go, and we should, and we do. But he makes a statement. He says, the Spirit of God, he said, as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they're sons of God. So, so when he left the earth, he left us with the Holy Ghost. And now we have the most intelligent, smartest, greatest person ever live living inside of us to put us over in life. So we don't fear the days ahead. All right. Go to, go to John 14. Let's turn over there. We're going to look at a few scriptures. Just a few. More than a few, really. John 14, 15. If you love me, keep my commandments, and I'll pray the Father, and he'll give you another helper, another comforter. That he'll abide with you forever. The spirit of truth in the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him for he dwells with you and will be in you. I'll not leave you orphans. I'll come to you. Now one of the reasons that he, he gave us the Holy Ghost <coughs> is because he left us here in the earth. You know the 23rd Psalm says, yea though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. What's he talking about? The valley of the shadow of death. That's the earth you're living in. There is one way to not go through trouble. Take your mask off, get in public, get corona, and let it kill you. And you won't have any more problems. But I have noticed a lot of people don't want to go, won't, do not want a lack of trouble that direction. But while we're here on this earth, you're going to have trouble. And I, and I think it's time for us to stop and tell the church this, because I found out that most people, Avoid pain at any cost. So I got some things I want to, and suffering. I've got some things I want to read to you. Go, look, I want you to look. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. Look at Hebrews 5. Look at Hebrews 5. I got to slow down. I got to build my case like a lawyer. I'm not a lawyer. I'm too good to be a lawyer. I wish I, I wish I got paid like a <laughs> Let you talk and start the clock. I asked him one lawyer one time, I said, what's that watch for? He says, money. As long as you talk, I'm making money. Hebrews, Hebrews, he was telling the truth. Hebrews 5, 7. Who in the days of his flesh, when he had offered up prayers and supplications, with vehement cries and tears to him who was able to save him from death, he, Jesus, was heard because of his godly fear. Though he was a son, yet he learned obedience by the things he suffered. Now, in charismatic, tongue-talking, devil-chasing, holy-rolling, faith-and-word churches, we don't talk about suffering a lot because of the doctrine that's gone before us that God uses sickness to teach you when he does not. And we've often taught that we're, you know, we're more than conquerors, the greater ones in us. All of that's true. But we've never really been taught that if you're on this planet and you're in the will of God or out of the will of God, you will suffer. Now, a lot of times people avoid pain at all costs, so they, so they avoid whatever would cause them to, to suffer in any way, shape, or form. But the Holy Spirit led Jesus, I'm going to show you this in a minute, to, in hard places. And I'm going to tell you this, he'll lead you in hard places. Yeah, he will. And he'll help you in it, but he'll lead you into it. Thank you all for y'all's enthusiasm. I want you to look at Luke 4, 1, and then we're going to, then I'm going to start preaching. <laughs> I love my job. I only work one day a week. 
but it's a good day. Luke 4.1. Now, this is a scripture. When I first read it, I didn't like it. How many of y'all got scriptures you read and went, I don't think I like that scripture very much. When Jesus was filled with the Holy Spirit, he returned from Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness, being tempted for 40 days by the devil, and he ate nothing. I, I hate that. Uh, you know, the Lord told me one day to start fasting, and I'm like, I bind you. <laughs> I love to eat. Is it obvious? Okay. Not really. I've been, I've been watching it lately. I'll tell you. Uh, being tempted 40 days by the devil, in those days he ate nothing. Afterwards, when he was ended, he was hungry, and the devil said, the Spirit of God led Jesus into a fight. And he'll lead you into one. One of the, one of the things that I've watched people, and I've watched them for years, any time there's any kind of trouble or any kind of suffering, they avoid it. So I, got, I wrote some stuff down for you. If you're married, you will suffer. If you're single, you will suffer. If you love truth, you will suffer. If you ignore truth, you're going to suffer. If you obey God, you will suffer. If you disobey God, you'll suffer. If you're rich, you'll suffer. If you're poor, you'll suffer. If you're courageous, You'll suffer. If you're a coward, you'll suffer too. There, in other words, there really isn't any way to get out of it. So, so stop, I want you to stop for a minute. I'm going to give you a little bit of an analogy. Let's just pretend for a minute that you're a young person and you go, I don't want to, I, I don't want to buy a car because I have to make payments and I got to change the oil. And I got to fix it when it breaks. And then I got to get a job to make the payments. And then I don't want a girlfriend. Then I have to buy a house and make payments on it. Well, you can walk. I think I like making payments. See, if, if you have a job... You're, you're forced to wake up and go to a job you usually don't like, to work with people you don't like, who don't like you. So you can buy a car you need to get to a place you don't like. And go home to a woman you wish you hadn't married. Sometimes. For a while. The first week. Are y'all out there? And I'm, I'm trying to make a point here. Walking is hard. Driving's not much better. You know, when I got off of unemployment and God got me a job, I started making more money and I started tithing and paying taxes. I was right back at the same amount of money I was making sitting at home. Working. It was a whole lot better to work, though. I said that because I want you to understand something. You're not going to avoid trouble Stop trying to avoid trouble. Stop trying to avoid persecution. Stop trying to avoid suffering because the Holy Ghost will lead you in places you don't like. We're entering into a year now that will be hard. One way or the other, it's going to be tough. My $600 check, I'm buying ammo. What else are you going to do with 600 bucks? I'm, I'm so tired of, of, of what's going on. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get on the bandwagon. We need term limits. How do you get a job in, in Washington making $47,000 a year and become a millionaire in three years? Somebody help me with that. Never mind. I mean, I'm on a, I'm on a bandwagon right now, and I'm not getting off of it. Like I said, listen, if you're courageous, people won't like you. I found out if you're broke, people don't treat you good. If you're rich, they still don't treat you good. When I'm broke, I'm trying to figure out where to steal money. And when I'm rich, I'm trying to keep people from stealing my money. 
One thing about having guns is nice, but you better buy a safe. Oh, y'all didn't, y'all didn't. Go to 1 Peter chapter 3. And locks on your doors. I'm doing a pretty good job. A while ago, I mentioned marriage. If you're an immature person, marriage will grow you up. And if that won't, have children. If you think your husband was hard, wait till Junior wakes up at four in the morning and demands something to eat. <laughs> Screaming in the bed at four in the morning, I'm hungry. And you're thinking, no, my husband wasn't nothing until his son came. Hallelujah. <laughs> oh, boy. First Peter chapter 3, verse 17. It is better if the will of God that you suffer for doing good than for doing evil. You're going to suffer. It's better if you'll suffer obeying God. All right, let's look at another one. 2.18. Servants, no, we don't have servants today. You work for people, and you might as well be a servant. I know that didn't go over well. Be submissive to your bosses with all fear. Not only the good and the gentle, but the mean ones too. If anybody in my office, they better say a thing right now. For this is commendable if because of conscience toward God, you endure grief suffering wrongfully. What credit is it when you're beaten for your faults and you take it patiently, but when you do good and suffer and you take it patiently, this is commendable before God. And some of y'all say, I have a call of God on my life. I found it. To this you were called. I was called to this. Yeah, you are. While you're on this earth, you're called to walk in the footsteps of Jesus Christ and the world hated him. And they don't like you either. Now, I know that's a tough one, but you know what? No matter what I've done since I got born again, I've never been able to avoid hard times or trouble. In the world, you will have trouble. Be of good cheer, I've overcome the world. Greater is he that's in you, but you will have trouble. Okay. Let's look at another one right here. 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 1. Therefore, since Christ suffered for you in your flesh, in his flesh, arm yourself with the same mind, for he who suffered in his flesh has ceased from sin. I'm going to read something to you. Either your flesh is suffering and your spirit's rejoicing, or your spirit is, is suffering and your flesh is rejoicing. Part of you right now is suffering. If you're obeying God, your flesh is going. I hate this. But if you're disobeying God, your spirit man is sitting in your chair right now crying. Part of you does not like what you're doing. Going to church is to create suffering. The Holy Ghost is not here to make you comfortable. He led Jesus into the wilderness, and he will lead you into places that will grow you up. Every sermon is not supposed to leave you shouting. Ask your mama. I'm leaving home, and I, I ran away when I was a kid. And is there anybody else in here who ran away from home when they were kids? I ran away. But it was so close to my birthday, I thought, I'll wait until after my birthday. I'm telling you all the truth. I was so mad at my mom. I was so mad at life. I was so mad at the world. I'm, just, I'm running away. I got packed up my stuff. But it was right around the 1st of September. My birthday September 21st, so I held off. At the end of my birthday, I thought, you know, Christmas is coming. And when Christmas came, the snow came, and I thought, it's too cold. <laughs> and by the spring, I wasn't mad anymore. So anyway, I never mind. that's a true story. 
everything that happens in your house is not fun. Don't you wish people would be as faithful to church as they are their own home and their jobs? If you go to a church where they're preaching the truth, truth will make you suffer. You're going to leave and go, I hate that. But I'm going to tell you something. If you don't hear it, you'll suffer more. Are you all out there? Yeah. America's suffering today because they didn't want to hear truth. There's kids suffering today. When you get married, if, you're, if, if the person you married, parents didn't teach them to suffer, you're going to. Thank you all. Until you straighten them out. I've changed my attitude toward marriage. Some fights are necessary. Especially if you married someone selfish. They didn't listen to mommy or daddy and they're going to listen now. I was eating lunch with a lady one time. Her and her husband just got married. She's from Brazil. And I asked her a question about marriage and about has her husband ever, ever done anything. And she said, no, and he will not. I went, oh. And she looked at him and said, and you will not. And I went, you better not. <laughs> and there was a man and a woman. They got married later in life. And both of them were, you know, widows. And they decided to get married and. On, on their honeymoon, he took her to the Grand Canyon, his new bride. And so he put her on a donkey and one of those, and down in the Grand Canyon they went. And um, they're going down and the, 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 the mule stumbled. And the woman looked at the mule and said, that's once. And the man looked at his new bride and went, hmm. And going down the Grand Canyon and the mule stumbled again. And she said, that's twice. He looks at her. And, mm. The mule stumbled a third time. She pulled out a revolver and shot him. He said, what the Sam Hill did you just do? She said, that's once. <laughs> what did I just get into here? That's once. First Peter 4, 12. Beloved, do not think it strange concerning the fiery trial which is to try you, as though some strange thing happened to you. But rejoice to the extent that you are to partake of Christ's sufferings, that when his glory is revealed, you will be glad with exceeding joy. If you are reproached for the name of Christ, blessed are you, for the spirit of glory and of God rests upon you, and on their part he's blasphemed, but on your part he's glorified. Let none of you suffer as a murderer, a thief, or an evildoer, as a busybody in other people's matters. Yet Anyone suffers at a Christian, let him not be ashamed and let him glorify God in this matter. For the time has come for judgment to begin at the house of God. And if it begins with us first, what will be the end of those who do not obey the gospel? If the righteous is scarcely saved, where's the ungodly and the sinner going to appear? Therefore, let him who suffers according to the will of God commit their souls to him in doing good as a faithful creator. Say, we will suffer. There's going to be suffering. you got to decide right now whose side you're on. Because it's going to be hard on both sides. If you're on the side that loves the world, it's fixing to get tough. If you're on the side of righteousness, it's fixing to get tough. It might get tough at home. If you're going to live right around your family... Not everybody's going to like it. But if you're going to live wrong around your family, not everybody's going to like that either. Pick your, pick your friends and pick your enemies now because you're going to have both no matter what you do. Yeah. Yeah. 
That may sound. See, a lot of times people avoid trouble thinking they've, you haven't avoided it. David did not avoid Goliath. He's the only one that faced Goliath and took him out. And after you take Goliath out, find his brothers. See, we're headed into a time in America right now where we might need to hit the battlefield and go, I'm looking for the big guy running his mouth and I got extra rocks. Like I told you earlier, I've already messaged Marco Rubio. I'll give you his number later. I'm going to tell you again what I said to him. I said, uh, you get behind our president now. I did not see your name of the men behind our president, and I want you to know we're watching you. And if you don't, Walmart is hiring. I am your boss. Thank you all. It's about time somebody. Do you know why people don't like police? First of all, they make you mind. Did you know a sheepdog looks like a wolf to a sheep? They both have fangs. They both bark. They both snap. Neither one of them look like a sheep. They both look alike. One protects, the other one harms. And a sheep can't hardly tell the difference. When you have men in the church that are, that are sheepdogs, that are men, the average Christian doesn't like them. But when the wolf comes, you better by God be glad the sheepdog's there. Amen. They're like, we like, everybody loves a cop after the fact. I think even Pelosi the other day was calling the cops amazing. Y'all don't watch the news enough. All right. I want to take a few minutes here and I want to, I want to talk about something. I think it's apropos for now. When I, when I got born again, November 16, 1975, right, Mel? Okay. I was a punk. I'm a heathen. But Jesus loved me enough to save me. But he's not going to leave me like that. I'm, I'm at home watching Christian television like a good Christian. I don't have a job. I'm not supporting my family. I'm, not, I'm, a, I'm a punk. And the preacher came on and read a scripture, man doesn't work, doesn't eat. He's worse than an unbeliever. I got up, turned the TV off, and thought, I, I, I guess I should get a job. And I went and got one, and God got me one, bless his holy name, at a fiberglass plant. And I told the Lord, I said, why did you get me a job at a fiberglass plant? I said, this is like going to hell every day. Y'all think it's hard when you put it in your house? You ought to work there. It gets on you. You're in there eight hours a day. There's no air conditioning in this place. You're sweating, and it's sticking to your body. You better wear a mask all the time, or you're going to suck it down your lungs. Che called it fire glass because I brought it home, got in the truck, got in the house, got in the couch, got in the washing machine, got in the dryer. Everybody in our house had fiberglass on them. And guess the job God got me. I mean, I, I, I said, I, you know, I, I thought you loved me. God put me in a place to grow me up. And it was not easy. It was very, very hard. First day on the job, I was supposed to arrive at 4 o'clock, second shift. I remember walking up to the time clock, hitting the time clock, and it said 4-0-0. And my boss was standing right there, my new boss. And he said, Morgan, you're late. And I got in a fight with him. I said, what, what do you mean I'm late? It's 4 o'clock. I mean, I'm, I'm chewing my boss out first day. Did I need help? I needed help. And he turns to me and says, you're late. Don't ever be late again. And when he walked away, I'm mad. And the Lord said, you're late. And don't you ever be late again. From this day forward, you work as unto me. 
You work for me. You asked me to get you a job. You asked me to get you out of debt. Now, I want you here early, and I want you to shut up. I'm going. I walked away singing, Jesus loves me, this I know. My first encounter with God was not nice. Some of y'all, now we know why y'all backslide. He's a tough cookie. So I walked away and I went to work and they put me on a bagging machine, a big bagger, flipping bag. It's hot in this place. This stuff is flying around all over me. I, I started getting to work early and leaving late and just kept my mouth shut. Well, they took me and put me on a thing called a roll-up. That's at the end. The, the, the machine never shuts off. 24 hours a day, 7 days a week, 365 and one fourth day a year, this machine is pumping fiberglass out. And, the, and I'm at the end of it where it's spitting all of it in my face. Because I worked hard, they took my help away. I get on the machine, and, I'm, and listen to me, I hate this job. I hate, I hate this job. It is very, very hard. There are six rolls of fiberglass popping out every minute or something like that. I mean, don't take about 60 seconds, it pops out. And the tape machines were junk. Half of them didn't work, which meant it spit the fiberglass out, the machines didn't tape, and it blew it all on top of me, and no one cared. I'm working in a, in a, in a place, I mean, I'm a number. They, they just, I'm just making money. They don't. I'm just a person, if I'm that. Talking about slave labor. And I've got to stand there and, and, and work and, and get these machines ready to go and then get extra pieces of tape in case one of them doesn't work. And when one of them jams, I've got to get in there and pull the jam out, pull the tape out, get it off, put some water back in, clean it up, get it ready for the next six, and then have three or four places just in case. And I'm working like this for eight hours a day with two 10-minute breaks and one 30-minute lunch, and that's it. And then I walk away and go home, and I'm bone tired. I go home and eat. I'm not making a lot of money. And the Lord says to me, I want you to work as unto me. And I'm going, are you serious? He said, no, I want you to work as unto me. Listen, at some point, you need to understand, life's going to be hard. I decided to just obey God. And he made it difficult for my good. So one day, Mike Nacera walks by, and I'm over there. When I started working really hard, they took my help away, and I thought, what'd you, what'd you do, God? If, if I just was suck up and just not work so hard, they'd have left this guy with me, and, and I'm working harder than they're paying me? You can get an attitude. So one day, Mike Nacera walks by, and I didn't know his name, but I know his name now. You remember the names of all the people you love and all the people you hate. Everybody else you forget. And, he, and he's on the rails, and he just, he's just watching me. Well, I've got to tell you another story here. We only got two 10-minute breaks. Two girls worked with me called Mary and Martha. And that's something. That's easy to remember. And they're running, they're taking these and putting them in a bagger and bagging up the rolls that are coming off this roll-up machine and, and throwing them on a cart and the forklifts carrying them away. And they get two 10-minute breaks a night and one 30-minute lunch a night. Well, let me just tell you something. Did you, every once in a while, you'd like a drink of water. So the Lord dealt with me to relieve them and do their job for a couple of minutes and mine. And I turned to him and I said, Martha, you thirsty? She goes, oh, yeah. I said, go get some water and make it fast. Because I'm going to do my job without help and yours. Now I'm running a roll-up machine and running her bagger. And now I'm wide open. I am running so hard and fast just so this girl can go get water. And she comes back she said, thank you. And I, that was Mary. And I said, Martha, you go. And they take off. Now, they love me. And Mike Nacera comes up, and he's watching this one night. And he says, what? And he, and he, right when I got off, I think it was lunch, and he said, why do you work so hard? And I, I didn't know any better then, but I just told him the truth. I said, well, I don't really work for you. 
uh, I said I work for a guy named Jesus, and he's kind of brutal. And he asked me to work as unto the Lord, and so I work for him to please God. He said, well, I don't know who you're working for, but you're doing a good job. Well, within a couple of weeks, I get a message from the office, and the manager of the plant calls me in his office. And I'm going, shoot, I get fired from here. I mean, who wants you? This is the worst place in town. I mean, I'm bombing here. And he calls me in his office, and he goes, um, any job in the plant you want, you tell me. You can have it. What's God doing? I'm suffering, but I'm going to tell you something. I'm suffering according to the will of God. I said, well, I'd like to get off that dead gum machine out there. He said, anywhere you want to go. I says, can I go to the warehouse? He said, go. So a week later, I show up at the warehouse. Now, you remember, there's two people you remember, the people you love and the people you hate. My next boss is named Buck. Buck is a little guy. Do you all remember the uh, Princess Bride? Remember the little, what's his little name, the little Italian guy that they did the... Vicini. Buck looked like a Vicini. Little short guy. And he called me the boss's, the manager's pet. I said, oh, the manager's pet is with us today. And he looks at me and he says, you'll load three and a half trucks or I'll run you off the docks. And I stepped out of his office and Jesus said, four. I went, You're killing me. That starting that night, I loaded four trucks every time I came to work. Every two hours, I pulled a, my, my little forklift out and closed the door on the truck and opened up another one. Every night, I did this for all during the winter, and then they put me on boxcars. Oh, God, those things are huge. Again, Mike Nacera calls me in the office. I didn't know it then, but he's grooming me. To run the plant. And he, he just loved me. And he invites me in for lunch. And he starts talking to me. And he says these words to me. We need someone in the maintenance department. To run the tool crib. You have no seniority. He says I can't promote you. But I have chosen. That the person with the most knowledge. Gets this job. Because I need someone who knows what they're doing. Do you know anything about tools? I said, no. He said, come at night. I'm going to train you. Favor. They taught me everything about drill bits, drill motors, taps, dies, ball bearings. I knew everything about that tool crib. And all of us took a test, and I'm the only one that aced it 100%, and I got the job. Now I'm working five days a week. And I'm off on Sunday. I've been working for over a year, and I've been going. I haven't been able to go to church except one Sunday a month. Then they come back to me and said, "We want you to create three three shifts in this tool crib, and you to train men underneath you." And I did that, and I took everything and put it on a Georgia Pacific numbering system, and they worked me hard. And I didn't know this at the time, but they were grooming me. For managerial position. I had no idea what they were doing, but I had it made. And the Lord speaks to me and says, I want you to go in there and tell them you resigned, you're going to Oklahoma. I walked in and I said, Mike, I'm going to Tulsa. And he started crying. He sat at his desk, grown man, and just wept. He's like, You've got to go. I said, I'm going to obey. You know what I'm going to do. I'm going to obey Jesus. I left there and went to work for $5 an hour, $20 a day. Do you think the Lord would ever lead you where it's hard? You better believe. But what was he doing? He was making a man out of me. You want me to say it again? See, he was, listen, let me tell you something. God is going to develop character in you. And, and very often, you're not going to enjoy the ride. That was very hard years of my life working at a fiberglass plant, but I'm glad it happened. 
I got a brother-in-law, Johnny Hammond, is in the Marines, and he said to me one day, he said, I would never do it again for a million dollars. I'm talking about Paris Island. He said, but I wouldn't take a million dollars for what I went through. You know, a lot of times God will put you in stuff. Spirit of God led Jesus into the wilderness. I, I want you to get over this idea that if the Holy Ghost, you're going to follow God, this year is going to be easy. It's, it's not going to be easy. It is going to be hard. But he's fixing to develop the church into the fighting army he always wanted it to be. He's fixing to develop you further. You were born for this day. You were placed on the earth. You're not an accident. Neither am I. This is good, isn't it? Yeah. So after I left there, God brought me to Word of Life. Folks, listen, the pastor before me, is, is, is he's not even alive anymore. And he was not a good man. And they dropped me right in the middle of a hell hole. I wasn't mature enough for this job when I took it. They weren't either. And it's a good thing we didn't kill each other. But I'm telling you, it, it's that the, the pastor in this church has done more for me than anybody else I know. God put me in a place I wasn't ready for. I suffered. Many other people did too because of me. But all of us are better people because of that. Amen. All right, let's move on. Are you all ready? I can see you all are excited. <laughs> Second Thessalonians 3.10. Oh, I don't need to read that. I quoted it already. Don't work, don't eat. That's a word for someone. Go to Romans 8. Verse 18. I consider that the suffering of this present time is not worthy to be compared with the glory which will be revealed in us. Paul knew. Paul suffered. David, when God anointed David, David suffered because of the anointing. Did y'all know that? Paul suffered because of the call of God on his life. You'll suffer whether you obey God or don't obey God. You just got to decide which one you want. For the earnest expectation of the creation eagerly waits for the revealing of the sons of God. For the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it in hope. Because the creation itself will be someday delivered from the bondage of corruption into the glorious liberty of the children of God. Aren't we all looking forward to that? And if we know that the whole creation groans and labors with birth pains together till now, not only that, but we also who have the first fruit of the Spirit groan within ourselves, eagerly waiting for the adoption of the redemption of the body. Now, let me stop you for a minute right now, and I'm going to say something, and this may shock you. There are days when I get a spirit of heaviness on me, and it's because of the world we're living in. Yeah. Not because I'm depressed, but the Lord wants me to pray it off. There's things, we've, there's things we've got to deal with. This is a spiritual fight we're in. And we've got to start dealing with this spirit of depression. And I'm going to say this to you. We're not having it in this church. You're not dragging in here on Sunday morning looking like, a, like something to dog drug in and the cat would not eat. You're going to wake up in the morning, you're going to learn to walk by faith and not by sight. You're going to learn the greater one lives on the inside of me. And you're not going to sit here and tell me about all the hell that's going on in, the, in Washington and all the problems that are going on in the United States and all the stuff that's going on with a mask. All of that doesn't matter to a hill of beans. Let me tell you, what matters is the greater one is living on the inside of us. This is a season and it's a short one. And Jesus is coming back. He's still sitting on the right hand of God. The prayers of a righteous man and a woman avail much. And we're going to learn to walk by faith and not by sight if it's the last thing we do. 
We're going to walk into church and we're going to give him glory and we're going to worship God because he's good, not because everything in your life is running the way you think it should. Your days of walking around looking like you sucking lemons are over. And you hear what they're doing in Washington? Yeah, I heard what they're doing in Washington. Have they heard what I'm doing? Yeah. Now, I'm going to go back to what I said a while ago. I was talking about this, and I stopped. There's time I get a spirit of heaviness on me, and it's not because I'm depressed. I'm not depressed. I'm, I'm watching what's going on, and it bothers me. And I watch what goes on in Christians, and it bothers me. I watch what's happening in my family, and it bothers me. And I hit my knees and go, this will not be, this will not be, this will not be. I'm strong in the Lord and the power of his might. Holy Ghost, you live inside of me. Help me now, pray. We will not have it this way. I hear bad news. I just don't let it rule me. And sometimes, sometimes I have to slap myself. Straighten up. You're not having a bad day. You listen to me, I'll slap you again. I said, I'll slap you back. Who? Some of y'all ain't never fought with yourself. I tried fighting with Lisa, but she won't fight with me no more. <laughs> Say amen anyway. That's two. Y'all, I have to entertain myself because I, I do this for a living. I gotta, if I don't enjoy what I'm doing, I'm going to be a mess. <laughs> I mean, if y'all got to watch what I'm looking at right now, you'd be depressed. <laughs> y'all ought to see your faces sometimes. <laughs> we had a dog one time. If you watched him eat, he'd... <clears throat> you don't want us to watch you eat? <clears throat> I'm the one that gave you the food. Growl at me, I kill you. Get another dog. <laughs> I hit a dog of mine one time that, that growled at the boys. I physically beat it up, put my head on his neck and told him, you growl at my kids again, I will kill you. That dog looked at me and went, yes, sir. <laughs> Never happened again. Not bad. I don't like bad dogs. If you'll be a dog, be a good dog. Be a happy dog. <laughs> Verse 23. Not only that, but we also who have the first fruits of the Spirit grown within ourselves. Uh, I, how many of y'all have experienced this lately? A groaning in your own heart over what we're watching. A, this is a time where we're going to have to pray like we've not prayed before. I don't mean we're going to get depressed. I'm not, I'm not depressed. It's not going to change me, but I'm going to change some things. And there's things that we're going to groan about. There's things we're going to pray about. There's things we're going to face and we're going to deal with, and they're not going to be fun. Okay. For we were saved in this hope, and the hope that is seen is not hope, yet what was hoped for? If we hope for what we do not see, we eagerly wait for it. For the Spirit helps us in our weaknesses. For we do not know what we should pray for as we ought to. But the Spirit himself makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. And he who searches the heart knows what the mind of the Spirit is. Because he's making intercession for the saints, us, according to the will of God. And we know all things work together for the good of them that love the Lord and call according to his purpose. I want to read something to you um, out of Mark Hankins' book, and it, it's, he's quoting um, Rick Renner. Ooh, sorry about that. It's hot up here to me. Romans 8.20, Rick Renner gives light on the meaning of the word infirmity in the Greek. It says he describes a crippling disease, a mental oppression, a reoccurring plague, which is terminal and incurable. So you need help, and the Holy Spirit wants to help. Aren't you glad he doesn't leave you? You got a napkin tissue. Aren't you glad he doesn't leave you because things get tough? Let me tell you something else. He doesn't leave you when you get dumb. I'm going to come over here and preach. 
It's embarrassing to do stupid stuff. And the Holy Ghost will help you when you're stupid too. <laughs> I tell him all the time, I go, I'm glad you put up with me. Thanks for helping me. And then he'll get you out of a pit in a nanosecond. So this is the rest of this. I want to read this because this has been, it's been very powerful to me. So you need help and the Holy Spirit wants to help. The Holy Spirit helps you overcome and win in a situation that seems incurably and hopelessly reoccurring. In the Greek, the word help means take hold together with you against your infirmity. The Spirit helps by making intercession with groanings which cannot be uttered. An example of this is when a person falls in a pit and they can't get out without help. This is when the Holy Spirit gets in the pit with you and lifts you out. You're going to get in trouble. But he's going to help you out of that trouble. And that's what he's there for. Amen. Amen. Thank God for the Holy Ghost. Amen. All right, let me read another one to you. I, like, I love my books. The most important thing that counts is to see that we are filled with the Holy Ghost to overflowing. Anything less than this, this is Smith Wigglesworth, anything less than this is displeasing to God. We are commanded by God to be filled with the Spirit, and the measure you fail in this you will fall short of the plan of God. Our only safeguard from dropping back into our natural mind from which you can get nothing is to be filled and filled again with the Spirit of God and taken on to visions and revelations. You're going to need Him. And He's there for us right now. And He's in us. The greater one. They that are led by the Spirit of God are the sons of God. We have the Holy Ghost to lead us and guide us. Let him do it, even if it appears to you as he's not going the direction you think he should go. Amen. Amen. I think I'm done. I think there's another one here. No full gospel Holy Ghost person should ever get out of bed in the morning without being filled with the Holy Ghost and getting lost in the Spirit and praying in tongues. Get up in the morning, thank you, Holy Ghost, we're ready for this day. Amen. Romans, I mean, 2 Corinthians chapter 4, go over there. And I'm going to, let's see, I might get y'all out a little early. What do you think about that? Nah, probably not. <laughs> that bothers me. And you start expecting it. 2 Corinthians 4, verse 7. We have this treasure, say the Holy Ghost, in an earthen vessel, that the excellency of the power may be of God and not us. We are hard-pressed on every side, yet we're not crushed. We're perplexed, but we're not in despair. We're persecuted, yes, but we're not forsaken. Uh, yes, sometimes we're struck down, but we're not destroyed. We always carry about in our body the dying of the Lord Jesus Christ that the life of Jesus may be manifest in our body. For we who are alive are always delivered to death. For Jesus' sake, the life of Jesus may be manifest in our flesh. So death was working in us, but life in you. And since we have the same spirit of faith, according to what was written, I believe and therefore I spoke, we also believe and therefore speak, knowing that he who raised up the Lord from the dead will raise us and present us with him. And all things for your sake and having grace, having spread through the many, may cause thanksgiving to abound to the glory of God. Look at verse 16. Though, therefore we don't lose heart. And though our outward man is perishing, yet the inward man is renewed day by day. Our light affliction, the Apostle Paul is calling our life on this earth light affliction. This is a man that was snake bit, shipwrecked, stranded out in the ocean, thrown into prison. And he said, this is a light affliction. And he said, it's only a short time. The ones of us that are older, it's shorter don't quit because you're old. Let your senior days be the better days. Now that you finally figured out what you're doing. Let that gray hair shine. They ought to know when grandma comes in, here comes Jesus. <laughs> Look at 
our light affliction, which is but a moment, is working for us a far more exceeding eternal weight of glory. While we don't look at the things which are seen, you better pay attention to this, but things which are not seen, the things which are seen in Washington are temporary. The things which are not seen are eternal. And we know that all things working together. All right, one more scripture, 2 Corinthians 2, 14. Thanks be to God who always leads us where? Well, that was weak. We've got to do it again. Now, thanks be to God who always leads us in triumph in Christ and through us diffuses the fragrance of his knowledge in every place. We're the answer to the world. Listen to me. Just because things get tough, when things get tough, don't run from the fight, run to the fight. Find it. It's there for you and I. America needs the church. That would be you. You don't have a right to cave in right now. I think things are going to get hard. Let me tell you something, Leroy, it is. It is going to get hard. Don't let that bother you. You were born for such a time as this. You won't know how big God is in you until it gets tough. You won't know how big God is until things get tough. One of the things that will settle you down is the more trouble you go through in life, the bigger God gets to you. Because you know where you are today is not because of you. He, now let me tell you a story. Every one of y'all are a turtle on a fence post. You know what that means? If you're riding down a country road and you see a turtle on a fence post, this is what you know. It didn't get there by itself. It doesn't know what it's doing. And it can't do a thing while it's up there. Now this is what we know about you. Now when I talk about politicians, there are turtles on fence posts too. They, someone put them there and they still don't know what they're doing. You are where you are right now by the grace of God. He puts you where you are. And he can keep you. Amen. I said this because I wanted you to understand something. I think we need to revisit this word suffering a little bit. Stop avoiding what's tough. Don't avoid it. Years ago, I went on purpose and got a set of a series by Mark Hank, not Mark Hank, Keith Moore. On humility. It's not on humility. It's on pride. I hated that whole series. I thought I was taking a bath with a Brillo pad. He scrubbed flesh off of me. I'm listening to it. And then about halfway through it, I had this thought. Lisa needs to hear this. The next tape I got out, he said, if you're thinking your spouse needs to hear this, that's pride. <laughs> Don't give them the tapes. I went, help me. Let truth do its work in you. Don't avoid. Don't avoid it. You are what you are. And I'm going to say this again. So often, God has led you in a way, and many of you, it has not been easy. This made you the man and the woman you are. And you're better for it. The way God led me, he made a man out of me. He was the dad I never had. And he was tough on me. But he got me out of debt taught me how to pastor. He taught me how to be a daddy. He taught me everything I know. And I'm telling you, it was not easy. Don't avoid God. Don't, don't, avoid, don't avoid the Spirit of God leading you because you're afraid of where He'll take you. Amen. Allow Him to lead you. Allow Him to be the boss. The Word 
Lord, actually, you know, the Holy Spirit is commanding officer. And here's what he wants to hear you say, sir. Yes, sir. Whatever you say to me, I'll do. Best decision I ever made in my life was letting him be Lord. Now, it's been hard. Yes. But outside of the will of God's hell. They're both, they're both difficult. You know that your mama prayed for you when you were a kid. Did you know she separated you unto God? I don't know if she ever told you that. Yeah, yeah she, she probably, y'all talk about this later. When you were a boy, she separated you. And even though you got tired, I want you to understand something. You weren't rebelling against God. You were rebelling against religion. There's a difference. You've always loved him. The things he's going to do with you, you're going to be amazed. Mom's going to be amazed. I don't know whether you'll ever go full-time or not, but I'll tell you this. There's a lot of people's lives going to be changed. And the devil knew it when you were a kid. You got a good mom. I don't know nothing about your dad praying. I just don't know. <laughs> Isn't God good? I want to pray. I want to pray over this year. I believe that when the days ahead, we're going to be watching the news. And I, I'm going to ask you this. Don't let what you hear throw you. We win. I believe that God has exposed to the church. And I think it's bothering us that we're watching it unfold in front of our eyes the corruption in this nation the wickedness in this nation and I think it's bothering us it bothers me but it doesn't bother me to the point of depression it bothers me to the point of obedience and doing something about it I'm not going to lay down on my watch and let this hell take place I'm going to be I'm going to get on the offensive on Wednesday night we're talking about the new year when a basketball team hits the court and they're ahead by 10 points. They don't need to milk the clock. They need to go out for baskets. You need to go for baskets until the last second of that game. If you play football and you're in the last quarter and you're in the last 10 minutes, you go for a touchdown. You don't go out there and milk the clock. You go to win. We're not milking the clock. You know, Jesus is coming back. He might be, but I'm not milking the clock. When he comes back, I'm going to grab two sinners in my, both hands. And on the way up, I'm going to threaten to drop them if they don't re to repent. <laughs> Are you all ready? Because I want you all to be ready for the year. This is the best year of your life, but it won't be easy. Father God, I preach the message you asked me to preach. I believe that what I'm saying right now is totally 100% you. We've avoided the subject of, of suffering we don't preach on it much. I don't think the church in America today has ever heard much about suffering, even in our flesh. They're a lot like me. They don't like fasting. But, sir, we're going to have to hear a lot more of this. The way you led Jesus, you taught him obedience. And he suffered. He suffered physically. He suffered by the hands of men. And I think people today will. I think we're going to see some stuff we've never seen. We're going to go through some stuff. You said, you said that you always lead us to victory. You always lead us to triumph. I pray that this church and the people that are watching by, by internet would learn to have a spirit of faith that no, no weapon formed against us will prosper. Every tongue that rises against us in judgment, we condemn it and prove it to be wrong. And no matter what we face, greater is he that is inside of us than he that is in this world. And you'll never lead us anywhere and leave us alone. You led Daniel, rough path. Joseph, who was rough. Paul, David, Jesus. Why would you be any different with us? I pray over our homes and our families right now. It is time, Father God, for the church to rise up and become the church. If we're going to make an enemy, let it be the devil. We're going to stand for righteousness and we're going to shine. We're going to get persecuted by somebody who might as well be the devil. 
somebody's going to like us, it might as well be you, Father. I pray everybody in the sound of my voice would rise up and not allow the stuff that's coming on this earth to take them out or to cause them to whimper and cower. I pray the strength of God over them. The day after the day, as they come to this church and learn how to build themselves up on their most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost and staying full of God. We give you the glory and honor for it in Jesus' name. Everybody said amen. I say, Pastor, you did good today. I mean, once in a while, I got to help y'all out a little bit. Praise the Lord. Y'all have Hallelujah. Miss Colleen, could you put Romans 5, 8, and 9 up on the screen? You know, I always quote John 3, 16 through 18 or Acts 16. 31 or Romans 10, 9, and 10, but today we're going to look at something different. Amen? Romans 5, 8 says, but God demonstrated his own love towards us, that while we were yet sinners and didn't know that we needed a Savior, Christ died for us. And then verse 9 says, which much more than having now been justified by his blood. Another translation says, we've been made righteous by his blood. We shall be saved from wrath through him. This morning, if you've never remember a time that you said, Jesus, be my Lord, come into my heart, take my life. Thank you for dying for me. That's what that much more than means that you've actually received the righteousness, which is by faith in his blood. He shed his blood for you because life is in the blood. There had to be, there had to be a consequence for sin. And it was either you and I, or it was the perfect one. Thank God that he was our substitute. So if I could have my altar workers come forward, if you're here today and you've never made Jesus Lord, you've never asked him to be the Lord of your life, come up here and say, Lord, thank you for dying for me while I was yet a sinner. And I receive your righteousness. You're not getting your own. You're receiving his righteousness by putting your faith in him. We hope you enjoyed this message by Word of Life Church. We just wanted to let you know there's a lot more content on our website at wolapopka.com. From our YouTube channel, to our podcast, to our SoundCloud, and many more events. We also wanted to let you know that we love giving you these messages. And it helps us too that if you would love to give to the what we're doing, it helps keep all these messages free. You can just simply go to our website and click the big Give Now button. Or you can text 407-955-5345. And remember, our pastor's vision is this. We grow Christians. So we thank you for listening and we'll see you next time.